Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you with us, whether you're joining us in Flandreau or whether you're watching online on our iCampus. I just want to welcome you to the Rescue Church. It's great having you. We're starting a brand new series today, and I'm really excited about it. I I'm, I'm cannot wait to share some things that I feel like God has been speaking into my life that, that I promise he's going to speak into your life today. I really believe that Jesus wants to say some things to his people in this place. And before we open the scripture and get to God's word, let me kind of just start by, by explaining the metaphor, if you will, or this word picture of what we mean when we talk about backstage. Okay, we're starting this new series called Backstage, and here's kind of the big idea. I would contend that our lives are made up of two essential components, okay? We have a public life, and we have a private life. The, the public life, if you will, we're going to call it the front stage, right? It's the stuff that happens in our life that's out in the spotlight that everybody sees. It's the stuff that gets noticed. It's the stuff that gets applauded and affirmed by people. Like this is our, our front stage is our public life. But the truth is we also have a backstage. We've got a private life. And, and I don't know if you've ever been backstage in a theater, but normally it's kind of darker back here than what's out there. It's a lot of times a little messier back here. We hide some stuff backstage that not everybody can see on the front stage. In our lives, a lot of times we don't let too many people into the backstage to see what's really going on. Like this is the real us back here. This is our soul. And, and here's the thing. A lot of times in life, we're tempted to, to put a lot of effort and focus and attention into the front stage. Because we kind of think that, hey, as long as it appears to everyone else that everything's fine, I'm just going to work on all my front stage issues because the backstage doesn't really matter that much. People can't see it. But, but the point of this series is this. These two elements of our lives are very connected. And while it's possible for a season to kind of put on a show and act like everything's fine, if we're not really healthy back here in the backstage, it's only a matter of time before everything on the front stage falls apart. And so in this series, what we want to do is we want to kind of take a backstage pass. And, and I want to ask you to go here with me in your life, back into this place that's your soul, like the real you. And we're going to talk about how to have a healthy soul so that what's happening in the front stage part of our life is actually an authentic, genuine reflection of who we really are, the real us. Does that make sense, that, that metaphor? Backstage. We're going to go backstage together in the next... Uh, I think six weeks or something like that in this series. So um, today, here's what I want to start on. I want to start with a foundational reality, and I'm calling today's message Identity Crisis. Because I believe that I'm speaking to Christians and non-Christians today that you are experiencing an identity crisis. And here's what I mean by that. You don't really know who you are. Or you've believed in certain lies that tell you your identity and your worth and your value comes from the wrong place. And so today, I want to open God's word and talk about where does our true identity flow from? Where does our real value come from? But before we get to that, I want to start today by exposing three lies, or if you will, we'll call them false identities. And by the way, if you've got your handouts that you were given in on the way in, you've got a packet of information that you were given, there's some sermon notes in there. 
and you can follow along with me, or if you get bored, you've got paper to draw on, okay? So, so just stay with me as we go through this. I want to identify three forms of false identity, three lies that so often we're tempted to believe and act upon. So the first one, if you're following along with me on your notes, here's the first of these three false identities. We're going to label this one the performer. The performer. The performer believes the lie that says this, my value comes from what I do. My my sense of self-worth and my identity comes from what happens on this front stage. Now, let me just tell you, how many of you, if you were to be honest in church, would raise your hand and go, John, by admission, I am a type A personality. Let me see the type A personalities. I love you guys, right? Like, I get you, I understand you, and this is going to apply probably more to people like you and me than those who were too afraid to raise their hand, right? Maybe they're just not being honest. By the way, it's okay to be a type A personality. God gave us that personality that is motivated by setting goals and being driven and achieving things. But here's the trap. And by the way, we all fall into this at times. But people like me, I'm really preaching to myself right now. Because when I'm not careful, I fall into this identity crisis that tells me my value comes from how well I perform. Because I'm driven to action. I'm driven to achieve. I'm a performer. And if I'm not careful, I start to think that my, my identity comes from the things that I do, that, that my activity is synonymous with my identity. It's, it's wrapped up in my titles. It's wrapped up in all of the ways that I get on stage and perform in my life. And it's all for everyone to see. And if I'm not performing well, I must not be worth as much when I'm not performing well. And man, if if you start believing that lie, it drives you to a place of workaholism. It drives you to a place of being a people pleaser. And and I just, you know, the last few months, I've been really honest with my church family and pretty transparent as I've talked about how this has been, you know, in the the 15 years or so that I've been leading in ministry, um, this has been a hard season. It's been a discouraging season that, that, that we've gone through, that I've gone through. I've really questioned a lot of things recently, not in terms of my faith in Christ, but just, does God even want me doing this anymore? I feel like such a failure at times. And this past summer, in their wisdom, our leadership team said, hey, John, you probably need a break. Like, don't make any big decisions right now. Go get a break. And it was such a healthy time to go get alone. And for people who know me, it's not my thing to just go be alone by myself. Like, I like being with people. And I spent some time alone in that season where I was kind of away from work and just disconnected from social media and the email and all of this. And I really sensed God said something to me in that time. And maybe he didn't just say it for me. Maybe he's saying it for you today as well, that God gave me one of the words he gave me in that time alone with him was this, John, I care, watch this, I care more about the person you are becoming than the actions that you're doing. I had this in my journal. I wrote like it's the difference between being versus doing. I'm so focused on the doing. I'm so focused on the action and and the external stuff. And so often God's like, John, I'm not as concerned about that. I really just want to talk about the person you're becoming when it's just you and me, like who you really are. Because John, your identity is not that of a performer. That's a false identity. Okay, another one. Let's, Let's expose another lie. It is the possessor. 
the possessor, if you want to write that down on your notes, the lie the possessor believes is this, that my value comes from what I have. And, and can I just tell you, I don't think this is a question of whether or not this is affecting all of us today. It's just a question of to what extent. It's really just a measurement to how much you and I have bought into this false identity that says our value comes from the stuff that we have and the things we possess. Can we at least agree on this, church, that we live in a culture of extreme consumerism? Is that a fair statement? Where it is all about newer, bigger, better, and ultimately more, right? We can't get up and go throughout a single day of our life without being bombarded with that message. There, there are entire industries, multi-billion dollar industries that are built around that message of what you have is not big enough, it's not new enough, it's old, it's outdated, you are lacking something in your life, and it's, it's called marketing. I need to get you convinced that your life is not enough because you don't have the newest, latest, greatest, biggest, best, and more than the neighbor next to you. That's a true statement, isn't it? That's the world we live in. And it's so easy to start to believe that and go, man, my value comes from the house I live in, the cars I drive, the vacations I take, the clothes I wear, the phone that's in my pocket. All of my identity and value is wrapped up in stuff because I'm a possessor. Let me be very clear. I'm always, there's a, a, a healthy balance to get here. The message is not that it's wrong to have wealth or to have stuff. The problem with the possessor is that your stuff has you. You are a slave to the stuff because you think that your value and identity comes from the car you're driving, how nice, how new. And look, can I just give you a symptom? I know I'm going to meddle in your affairs now, right? But can I just give you a, an outward symptom where you can measure this directly in your life? Just add up the amount of consumer debt that you're carrying right now. And if you're like, oh, Pastor John is picking on me. No, I'm not. I promise there's about 90% of us normal Americans in this room that we are up to our eyeballs in credit card debt and multiple car payments and furniture payments and payments on the payments of the interest that we didn't make and we're getting swallowed up in debt. Where is that coming from? In, in, the, most, in, in the most financially wealthy nation the world has ever known, where is this coming from? It's coming from believing a lie that says my value comes from the stuff that I have. And even if I can't afford it, I'll go get it now so that the world around me can see that I have value because I drive nice cars and I wear nice clothes and I have nice stuff. I get it, gang. I've been there, done that, had the t-shirt, got it repossessed. I have lived the American dream of buying what you can't afford and then losing so much of it or working out of debt. Like, I get it. This isn't coming from a place of judgment. I'm just exposing the lie and saying, there's a measurement. You want to know the measurement to what extent you've bought this lie? Add it all up. How much debt are you in? Consumer debt. That's a good starting point. I've believed this lie that much because I believe that my identity and my worth and my value comes from the stuff that I have. Let me give you one more. If I haven't offended everybody just yet, we'll try one more. All right, it's the pretender. Here's another false identity. It's the pretender that says my, the lie that we believe says my value comes from what others think of me. So it, it doesn't have to actually be healthy, right? Like I don't have to actually have to have a healthy soul backstage. I just have to look like I do to the rest of the world. Can anybody say social media? 
And by the way, by the way, again, healthy tension here, because I've often said, I'm that guy that says, you don't need to put all your garbage and dysfunction on Facebook for the world to see, right? Like, don't be that guy, or don't be that gal, and if you are, please don't wear a Rescue Church t-shirt when you're doing it, okay? Uh, We've had to work through those issues before, like, please take that off of Facebook wearing that t-shirt, right? But, But sometimes we do that, don't we? We put all of our highlight reel out for everybody else to see. We posture ourselves in such a way that it appears like everything's fine when the truth is, and we know deep in our heart, back here in the backstage, that's not really what's going on in our lives at all. Here's here's the dangerous thing, church. It's possible to appear to the rest of the world on our front stage that we're successful and that we're healthy, when in reality, nothing could be farther from the truth, that in our backstage, in our true quiet moments before the Lord. We're not healthy at all. We're not functional at all. We're we're struggling with stuff back here and we don't let anyone in to see what's going on because why? We're, We're buying into a lie of the pretender that says, I just have to make it look good. It can happen in ministry too, by the way. We see it, sadly, we see it almost on a weekly basis somewhere around the world where some Christian leader who appeared successful and appeared healthy, we find out actually they've only been pretending. Because, and by the way, if if this is you today, like if you're engaging in some kind of secret sin, I was reminded of this again just in the recent weeks, working not not with a church story, but outside of church, it's going to catch up to you. What you're doing in the dark will be exposed in the light. And we see it happen all the time where the pretenders are exposed. There's no depth, there's no health, there's no true healthiness going on in their soul it's just an act on the front stage of their of their life so we've got the pretender the the possessor and the performer all false identities and again i'm preaching to myself just as much as you it's just really a question of how much do these things affect our life but they're false identities that's not who you are so what is a healthy sense of identity what's the right identity who is the true me who are the true you that's terrible english how i just said that but that's what we're going with okay what's what's our true identity and by the way let me just put this little disclaimer out there before i say what i'm getting ready to say next if you're here today and you do not yet at this point in your life have a personal relationship with jesus christ what i'm getting ready to say next is not true of you That's the bad news. The good news is it can totally be true of you before the service is done. Because here's our true identity. For those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have come to accept him as our Lord and our Savior, this is the true identity. You're not a performer. You're not a possessor. You're not a pretender. Your true identity is this, if you want to write it down. I am a precious child of the living God. My value does not come from what I do. My value does not come from what I have. My value does not come from how well I can fool other people and that they think everything's okay. My value simply comes from belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns my life. I belong to him and therefore I have value and I have worth because I belong to him. I am his precious son or daughter. I am a child of the one true living God. That's my identity. That's your identity. Are you ready for this? Whether you feel like it or not this morning, that's who you are. 
if you are in Christ, whether you've been winning in your life this last week, month, three months, ten months, or whether you haven't been winning, you are a child of God. All right, let's, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. I've got several scriptures I want to show you briefly, and then we're going to move into a time of prayer today. But before we get to that, I want to teach through a couple scriptures. The first one is kind of a story of Jesus' baptism. When he got baptized, and you're like, why are we talking about Jesus' baptism? This will make sense in just a minute. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Here's the context. Jesus is just getting ready to start his public ministry. He's about 30 years old. Up to this point in Jesus' life, we know very little about his life. We have some details that surround his birth. And then we get another little glimpse into his life when he's 12 years old. And he's, Mary and Joseph lose the Son of God. Can you imagine losing the Son of God, right? Like, he's, you're responsible to raise Jesus, and you lose him. And they go back and they find him. He's in the temple. He's teaching the, the, the teachers of the law. Like, he's engaging and grappling with them on a level there. They're blown away. We get just a little snapshot into Jesus' life as a young teenager. And then again, nothing until 30 years old. Why is that important? You'll see in just a moment. But Jesus has lived a pretty obscure life up to this moment. Now he's getting ready to go public with his ministry. And we're going to see it starts with his baptism. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. Here's the story. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, John the Baptist. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Okay, so Jesus is getting baptized. Now here's what I want you to see. Watch this next thing. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, watch how this plays out, church. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then listen to this. Here's what he heard. And a voice from heaven said, this is my what? This is my son, whom I what? Love. With him I am well pleased. Don't miss this, guys. Hold on to this for just a moment. Quick little side note. Um, I always like to point these moments out in scripture. This is one example where we see all three members of the Trinity, what we call the Trinity, or the all three members of the triune Godhead in one place at one time. So the, the word Trinity is found nowhere in Scripture, right? But we believe in a triune God who exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Here's an example in the Bible, and there's others I could point you to, where we see the Son is being baptized we see, we hear the, the voice of the Father speaking over his Son, and, and then we see the Spirit of God manifested in the form of a dove landing on Jesus. So that's kind of a cool, powerful thing. But for the sake of this message, I want to draw your attention to what the Father said over his Son. Notice what the Father did not say over Jesus. His words were not directional. Dads, listen to this, because we do this as dads. We give direction to our kids, right? Go here, go there, don't go here, don't go there. The father does not speak directional words over the son, go. The father also does not speak instructional words over the son, do this. 
do that, don't do this, don't do that. And dads, aren't we good at that? Like dads, that's our job, right? We're instructors, we're direction givers. And, and by the way, our kids need that. So don't, don't hear me saying we should not speak words of direction and words of instruction into the lives of our kids. But I want you to notice what the father said over his son. His words were relational. He does not speak about Jesus' performance. He speaks about his relationship to Jesus Christ as his son. This is my son. And I want the world to know I love my son. And I want the world to know I approve of my son. I am well pleased with him. And and don't miss this, church. Keep this in mind. Up to this point, Jesus has not preached a single sermon that we know about. He has not performed a single miracle that we know about. He hasn't healed anybody from their blindness. He hasn't raised anybody from from death back to life. He has lived in obscurity. And it's over the life of this son that's just lived a pretty normal, common life of a poor man. The father speaks over the life of Jesus and he says, that's my boy. This is my son and I love him and I'm proud of him. Dads, there's a message in this for us. And moms too, but dads, I believe you have a powerful thing to impart to your kids. And the father just modeled it for you and I right now as men, as dads, as the father. I'm just curious and just a thought to think about, like, dads, do your children know that you love them unconditionally? And do they know that you're proud of them in their good moments and in their not-so-good moments that they're still your son? They're still your daughter, and you love them, and you're proud of them. You approve of them. That's the voice of the Father over Jesus. As parents, we can get this, right? Like, I just want to ask you parents, in in your mind, go back to that time. Some of you will have to go further back than others, but go back to that moment that you met your son or your daughter, Most likely for many of us, it was in a hospital setting. If you're like some more recent stories out of Sioux Falls, maybe it was in the front seat of a car or in your yard or in the lobby of the hospital, but wherever you met your son or daughter for the first time. I got a question for you, dads and moms. Can you remember just having an overwhelming sense of love for that son or daughter and proud of them? I'm proud of this little baby. It's my son. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got this love for them and this this pride over them, this approval of them. And and at this point in their life, they've not hit the winning home run in their little t-ball league. They've not scored the winning touchdown in football. They've not brought home the little crappy craft made out of popsicle sticks that nobody else would want, but you treasure it and will never throw it away because it was made with their little five-year-old hands. And they've done none of that yet. And over that child, you say, this is my kid, I love them, I'm proud of them, they belong to me. That is the heart of the Father. Your Father in heaven speaks that, not only over His Son, Jesus, He speaks it over you and me as well. Our true identity is not from how well we perform on the front stage by all the stuff we own and put out for the world to see on the front stage or even how well we pretend and fool everybody in the audience out there. Our true identity simply comes from being back here in a relationship with a God who loves us and says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you and I'm proud of you. 
And I'm proud of you when you're winning, and I'm proud of you when you're not winning. I'm proud of you when you're submitting to me and following me, and I accept you and approve of you when you're disobeying and spitting in my face and rebelling against me and running from me. I love you so much, I gave the life of my one son so that you could also be my son or my daughter. Friends, that's who you are. If you're in Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ, Three more scriptures I want to share, and then I want to leave some time here at the end for, for a moment of prayer and, and worship where we can just really receive this. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, this is a powerful passage of scripture. And by the way, I could show you so many more today where this theme of adoption just runs all throughout the Bible that we've been adopted into God's family. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Watch this next verse, church. For he, what's the word? He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And look at this last phrase, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Do you see what Paul is saying here? For those of us that are in Christ, before the world was even created, God already knew you, he was proud of you, and he loved you then, and he chose in that moment to adopt you and to bring you into his family as his precious child. So that in his sight, when he, listen to this, when, when God in heaven looks at your life, regardless of how well your day went yesterday or didn't go, regardless of how good your marriage is or it isn't, regardless of how well you're doing your finances or your parenting or your work, regardless, here's what he says over you. I see you as holy and blameless. What? God views my life as holy and blameless? I don't view my life as holy and blameless. The enemy speaks often into my life, reminding me of my consistent failures and flaws and, and screw-ups. But God says, no, because of the blood of my son Jesus, I view you as holy and blameless. You're my child. And it doesn't matter. Listen, the, the message isn't like, it doesn't matter what we do and you can just keep on sinning. The message is, listen, when you sin, it's, it's not like try harder on your own strength to be a better person. The message is that's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not how God sees you. So get up, dust yourself off with the help of the Holy Spirit and keep moving because you're his child. He sees you as holy and blameless. It's his pleasure and will, not your hard work and determination and self-righteous effort. It's the, the pleasure and the will of the Father to make you a part of his family. You don't earn it. You're not good enough for it. I'm not good enough for it. He just chose you because he loves you and he approves of your life. Here's another one, 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called what, church? Children of God. And I love this last sentence. simply says, and that is what we are. Church, you, if you are in Christ this morning, you are not a performer, you're not a pretender, you're not a possessor, you are a precious child of God. That is what you are, whether you feel like it or not. Whether you feel like things are going great in your life or not, that is your true identity. You belong to Christ. That's where your value comes from. One more, Galatians 4, 7, Paul writes this, so you are no longer a slave, here it is again, but you're God's child. 
And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We belong to him. Everything that his family gets, everything that his kids get, we get too. We, we don't just follow him like some servant or some slave that has this lowly position. We are in his family. We have a seat around his table on our good days and our bad days. And he speaks over your life and my life. This is my daughter. This is my son whom I love. And I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. I've got a question that I want to ask you to consider this morning is this. Have you become a member of God's family? Remember I said just a minute ago, if you yet at this moment in life have not accepted Christ, that, that's not your identity yet. The good news is Jesus is offering it to you this morning. Be a part of my family. I, I'm adopting you if you'll take it. If you, in faith, receive me and the work of my son on the cross as your Lord and Savior, I will give you forgiveness, I will give you hope, I will give you mercy and healing and a purpose, and you're part of my family. And in just a moment, I'm going to give anyone in the sound of my voice here in the Flandreau campus an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you've never done that in your life. To those of us who would claim that God is our Father and Jesus Christ is our Savior, here's my question for you. What voice are you listening to this morning? When it comes to your sense of identity and your sense of worth, who's speaking into that? Are you listening to the voice of the audience that says, perform for us? Show us how valuable you are by the stuff you have and how well you put on a show and pretend. Is that whose voice you're listening to? Even worse, are you listening to the accuser of the brethren who's telling you, you're a dirty, rotten person. How could God ever love you? Wrong voice, wrong identity. Sometimes our own voice we need to stop listening to. Because sometimes we say the worst horrible things about our own selves. I want to challenge you to listen to the voice of the Father that would speak over your life and say, this is my son. This is my daughter, whom I love, and with them I am well pleased. I've got some homework for you. You'll notice uh, when you came in, first of all, on the back of your notes for our D-side and and our Peoria campus, on the back page of the notes, there's a list of scripture. For those of you that came into the Flandreau campus, you also got one of these little uh, bookmark things. It's the same list of verses on both, but if you're in Flandreau, you can like take this little bookmark and put it in your Bible or somewhere where you'll see it. Here's the homework assignment for this week. I want to challenge you to look over this list. It's, it's categorized into three major headings that says, I am accepted, I am secure, and I am significant. And it's just a list of scripture underneath every one of those headings from God's word that speaks truth over your real identity and who you are in Christ. I want to challenge you this week to take that list and as part of your daily quiet time, get alone with God and just read every one of those verses. Speak it out loud. Let these be life-giving affirmations where the Father speaks over your life. This is who you are. This is the real you. When all the lights are off and the crowds go home and you're backstage with just your thoughts and me, this is who you really are. So that's some homework assignment for you. At this time, I'm going to invite our band to come forward, and we're going to end church in a little different way. Um, So band, if you guys would make your way to the front, I want to tell you how we're going to do things as we close out the service today. In recent weeks, we've been being intentional about bringing prayer into our worship service, and we've been, you know, just having someone get up on stage and pray. And that's great and fine, and we'll continue to do that. But today, our prayer time is going to look a little different. 
because this is a time where you get to be like interactive in the service. Here's what I want to say. In just a moment, the band is going to lead us through one other song, and then we're going to have just a time of, of some soft music playing in the background, and it's a time for prayer. And if there's anyone here today that needs prayer for anything in your life, it, does, it could be about what we talked about. It could be coming forward to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. It could be coming forward to share a need. It could be a, a simple thing we haven't even preached about, but we've got members of our prayer team standing by, and we're going to invite you to come to the front for prayer. And, and if you see people moving to the front, whether you need prayer or not, come and pray with them. Come and pray over them. Like There's no pressure to, to, to get up and move, but this is definitely the time to just have a moment with our church family of prayer and worship and fellowship and like church familyness. So I want to look to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask him to bless this moment of worship as the band leads us through a song. And then I'll jump on stage and let you know it's time to come forward for prayer. Let's pray and ask God to bless this remainder of our service. God, I thank you for this moment that you've given to us. I thank you for the message today that you love us, you approve of us, you're proud of us, that we belong to you when we feel like it, when we don't feel like it, when we're winning, when we're not winning, that our true identity is not based on how well we perform and pretend and the stuff that we have, but our true identity and value and worth comes from being your precious sons and daughters in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that as we move into this time of worship and reflection that your spirit would just speak to our hearts right now. I believe this message is hitting hearts in this moment that your spirit is speaking. And now we have an opportunity to respond, to submit to your word and your truth. For some here today, Lord, this may be their time of salvation where they, for the first time in their life, surrender before a holy God and repent of their sin and invite Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. I pray that in a moment when we open it up, they would just come forward and receive you. God, maybe there's others here that have relationships that need to be restored. Maybe there's something in their life between you and them that needs to be dealt with. Maybe it's just a simple need for prayer, for healing, or a financial thing, or a family matter, whatever the case may be. I pray that your sons and daughters would come and talk with you here in this place today and that you would meet with us and just work powerfully in our hearts. Jesus, thank you for who you are and how you're working in our midst this morning. We love you. It's in your mighty, precious, and holy name we pray these things. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Cast Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv.